Coming up on This Week in Games, Tencent throws their hat into a crowded arena. Baiting for control of Nexon heats up, and sadly a trio of bad news hits the game industry. Coming up This Week in Games. that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown i'm your host eric mcconnell and it's a quiet week um i guess quiet in the sense that we're building up to gdc for those of you who don't know gdc stands for the game developer conference it's held in san francisco once a year at the moscone center i think it's it's not next week it's the week after next so it's it's about two weeks away um the main conference is wednesday through friday but the conference really starts kind of like Sunday night, Monday morning. And yeah, it's like the all coming gathering for kind of the game industry. And it's mainly for game developers. So if you want to hear why, you know, the person from your favorite mobile game designed the first couple of levels the way they did, you come to GDC, go to a talk, they'll explain their exact thought process, how they tested it, how they iterated on it and everything. I recommend pretty much everyone to go to GDC if uh, you think you work in the game industry, want to work in the game industry, want to hang out with game developers for a week. Can't recommend it enough. All right, let's get into the news. Small amount of news, but we had some big bombs, and I'll start off with this one. Tencent drops a bomb this week and throws its hat in the emerging cloud gaming race. So dubbed Tencent Instaplay will be the Chinese publisher's cloud gaming service providing games for streaming to PCs and Android devices. Pretty limited. Um, Tencent, surprisingly, has teamed up with Intel as its hardware counterpart. So, if you've heard me rant on about cloud gaming in the past, I've pretty much said that there's three companies that kind of can support this at scale, and that's AWS with Amazon, uh, Google Cloud with, well, Google, and Azure with Microsoft. Interesting that Tencent is going to be the hardware backer for, or sorry, Intel is going to be the hardware backer for Tencent. I don't really know what Intel's uh, kind of cloud services are. I'm assuming that they're trying to really make a statement and a splash by teaming up with Tencent and hopefully like servicing most of China. So at GDC 2019, Tencent and Intel revealed a talk called, quote, Stream cloud gaming solutions for both Android and PC games. Oh my gosh, what a breathtaking title! <laughs> and the current clock, the current crop of cloud gaming competitors are Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Verizon, and EA. Now Sony has a cloud gaming like product. It's pretty bad, and they really haven't kind of alluded to anything in the future. I think with all this kind of like noise around Microsoft and everyone else. Sony's definitely going to go into cloud gaming. Tencent is the first to actually be a threat to Microsoft, though, and here's why. I, I'm i assuming Intel hardware-wise can support them, like support, you know, the amount of virtualized servers to service everyone who uses this Tencent cloud gaming. I've said this before with Google and with Amazon and in a further extent to Verizon, they don't have the content to actually support uh, a differentiation factor. And so if you look at the history of consoles, right, one of the most interesting 
kind of console generations was the Nintendo 64 and the PlayStation 1. So the PlayStation 1 had disc. The disc had terrible loading speeds. Terrible. If you've ever played Chrono Trigger re-release on PlayStation 1, I, I could literally start a random battle, go up and make a sandwich, and come back and sit back down, and the random battle still hasn't finished loading, and then have a random battle for all of 30 seconds, and then, you know, another two minutes of loading to go back to the game. The N64 had superior graphics, uh, superior hardware, and no loading times because they were cartridges, or very little loading times. The difference is PlayStation, I guess, could hold a lot more memory and they could have multiple discs per game. So everyone remembers all their favorite JRPGs from the PlayStation 1 era because they were like three or four discs long, right? Final Fantasy 7 was three discs long. Uh, I believe Final Fantasy 9 was four discs long. So, And the 64 couldn't hold that much. So games with like full motion cutscene videos could be on PS1. But on the N64, they had to use still images to tell stories or in-game graphics. They couldn't use like fancy high-definition full-motion video cutscenes. What really sold it was the was the software. And so what I'm getting at is even though the PlayStation 1 had one technical advantage, which is like disk space, it was severely underpowered. I mean, like the polygons looked horrendous on PlayStation 1 compared to N64. Severely underpowered, had terrible loading times, except for it had all the third-party publishers, and it had all the exclusive content. They paid a lot to have Final Fantasy exclusively on PlayStation 1. They had a lot of the fighting games and Japanese games exclusively on PlayStation 1. And even, like, EA would develop a lot of their games exclusively on PlayStation 1. Now, the Maddens and the major franchises would release on both, um... But still, the PlayStation 1 had more exclusive titles and more exclusive content and kind of like the more, you know, if you're going to go to a store and see a lineup, everyone loves Legend of Zelda. Everyone loves Mario. But can, you know, the Nintendo first party library hold up against the first party library of 20 companies? No. And so that's what I see with cloud gaming right now is basically you now have Tencent and you have Microsoft. So Microsoft has bought in 10 AAA studios. They own the IP to Gears of War, Halo, Forza, and a bunch of other uh, valuable IPs. They've been in the gaming space. They know what they're doing. And you have Tencent, who's a giant publisher who could probably bully their way to get to any IP. They own Riot with League of Legends. They own a lot of big companies. They own stake, minority stakes or... Almost majority stakes in a lot of companies. I think they own 40% of Epic Games. They own 11% of Bluehole, the developers of PUBG. They're the publishers of PUBG. Tencent's in everywhere. So Microsoft and Tencent are poised to have differentiating content. Okay. The issue is, is Amazon has three game studios. They've yet to release a game. They killed their one game in development for years in alpha. Google, you know, I don't. I don't know, like Verizon. I mean, how many game IPs does Verizon have? So like when you look at all the competitors, Google, Amazon, and Verizon haven't said what exclusive IP they have. Like what do they have? But we know what Microsoft has and we know what Tencent has. So these are the two leaders. And then I know what you're thinking. Hey, didn't you mention EA? The issue is, is EA and to a further extent Sony it's a question of 
whether the actual service they're providing is competitive with the service of the other ones. So if there's like under a 10% difference between like, you know, what Microsoft offers and what EA offers, okay, EA is in there too. But if EA can't scale up to support a million players concurrently at once, EA is not in there, <laughs> you know, and same thing with Sony. Gaikai after Sony bought it, and I think their service is called PlayStation Now, I hear it's horrible. You know, I haven't used it myself. I hear it's outright horrible right now. So if Sony can't even be competitive in the service, then their content doesn't matter. So you have to have content, and you have to have a competitive service. And right now, Microsoft has that. Tencent teaming up with Intel, I have to assume Intel can do what they do. So, you know, they have it too. So it's going to be interesting. Um... Dark Horse, Tencent, um, Front Runner, Microsoft, everyone else. I guess uh, let's see if EA and Sony can actually prove out that their services are equally as competitive. And then, you know, Google, Amazon, and Verizon. I, you're going to have to offer something differentiating because just because you know the Verizon service is five percent faster um, doesn't matter if like you want to play Halo and Gears of War and Forza. And, you know, all the Obsidian RPGs and whatever other companies Microsoft's bought out recently, you're going to have to go to Microsoft. So it's interesting. Interesting stuff, guys. Uh, So another Tencent news. This will come as no surprise. Tencent adds a digital lock to specific games in China. So following NetEase's age restrictions and playtime controls... Tencent unveils its own governmental compliance controls, specifically targeting players 13 and younger. Now, Tencent already had their own age restrictions and playtime controls, but this is different. The digital lock will be rolled out in 12 cities and affect mainly Honor Kings, which is China's like number one mobile game, basically a mobile lightweight League of Legends clone, and PUBG Mobile for players 13 and under. So those two games in 12 cities, players 13 and under... Younger players will require an adult to unlock the screen for them to play. So they can't even play Honor Kings or PUBG Mobile at all without an adult unlocking it. So how does this work? The digital lock uses facial recognition and player ID checks. And then I think they also are using their police server database to match this stuff to guarantee that the kid doesn't say that they're the adult and use their face for that. This is kind of interesting. Uh, this is in addition to the age and playtime restrictions mentioned earlier, and there's also game content sh- streaming restrictions. So I guess on the Twitch of China, you can't stream like sexualized content or violent content, which is 90% of games or something. So I'm sure it's some vague restrictions so that they can just put the hammer on whoever they want. Now, all of these measures are put in place to fight myopia, which is nearsightedness in children in China. But really, I, I, I think we all see what's happening here. So this is why these this game license thing suddenly halted, why Tencent and NetEase weren't giving game licenses. So when China wants to do something, like China wants to limit children 13 and under and children 14 to 18, limit their playtime, and also kind of just outright stop younger children from playing certain games. Tencent and NetEase 
clearly that's their entire market and they would love nothing more for every kid to just play games all the time because they make more money get these kids crazy restricted addicted to games and have them when they're making money at 18 or 22 or whatever go back to these games and give them money or beg their parents for money and their parents give them money so if you're the chinese government how do you tell an industry to stop making money (laughs) well you effectively halt a licensing a government of control for them to release games and then you demand all this crazy crap and you know it's a pretty effective way to threaten the revenue of the giant companies to get them to effectively kill their core revenue streams so i don't know uh you know it's china i don't i have no clue i have no clue what goes on there all right next up bidding for nexon heats up because officially EA, Amazon, and Comcast join in the bidding. The South Korean publisher built on two games, Dungeon Fighter Online and MapleStory, was up for sale, and new players have joined the bidding process. So EA, Amazon, and Comcast have officially started bidding for the 98.64% controlling stake from CEO Kim Jong-ju. The estimated valuation of the publisher sits at around $8.9 billion. Before this report, South Korea's Kaukau Games and Netmarble, with the financial backing of Tencent, were the only two officially interested parties and two parties who have said to make official bids. So now we have five parties bidding for it. I don't know. It really, it definitely seems like everyone's severely undercutting Nexon. Everyone wants Nexon. And I would honestly say, I can't see those, God, I can't understand how Dungeon Fighter Online and MapleStory are worth $8.9 billion. But it's probably the users. Like, if you could take those users and put them on a game that doesn't suck, you could probably monetize them way better. I'm so hard on these games. They're, they're terrible. I dare you guys to try them out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what these people are bidding. Uh, I guess we'll find out later, but... Yeah, five people bidding for it. Let's look at it. So, Kakao Games and Netmarble, they're South Korean companies. They want to keep Nexon South Korean. That makes sense. Um, EA, I don't know. Come on. Like, EA has a history of terrible acquisitions. So, please don't let this happen. Amazon, I mean, Jesus. Amazon has acquired three game studios, and they've released nothing in, like, five years or something. So, another probably terrible choice. And Comcast. Comcast is like, don't they always win worst company in America? Like, why is Comcast bidding for Nexon? Doesn't even make sense. So, uh, if I had to predict it, Netmarble with Tencent financially backing them, come on, that's that's the clear winner. All right, a little bit of selfish news really fast. Nintendo and Game Freak announced Pokemon Sword and Shield for the Nintendo Switch. Why is this exciting, you ask? Well, this will be the first core game built on the main console line, so not like the 3DS or the Game Boy. And the first core game in the Pokemon series to be in full HD 3D environments, similar to Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. And yeah, can't wait to get my uh, Dragonite Stomping Fools in full 3D. All right, let's get to some business news. This is a weird story. Um... Co-development studio Roommate Group announces a new independent co-development studio, Dragon's Lake Entertainment. Sounds confusing. It isn't really that confusing. So Roommate Group is kind of what you can think of as a contract studio that works with existing developers to help with projects. So they work with like NCSoft, Wargaming, Gree, Rovio, Jam City, Ubisoft. They claim over 80 companies. 
Roommate Group has attempted to release original games in 2013 and 2014, but I guess none of them like really succeeded enough to warrant putting resources towards them. Now, they formed a new independent studio, even though they call it a co-development studio. It's really an independent studio, Dragon's Lake Entertainment, to, de- to develop original projects again for them. And to me, you know, it really makes sense because everyone gets in this industry to express themselves, to recreate childhood memories, to try to like push an art forward. No one really gets in it for pure outright money in the sense that no one really wants to be a contract studio. They want to be the main studio making the game. They don't want to help out companies making games or hand it like giant specs and said to just go make this and don't deviate from the spec. So, yeah, it makes sense that they're using contract stuff to fund the hopes of developing original games that then take over. And this is actually more common than you think. So Rocket League's developer, Psionics, is one of the most recent success stories of kind of like a contract studio hitting it big and then only focusing on first-party IP. A lot of people don't know that before they made Rocket League, they made a really mediocre um legacy of Kane multiplayer battle arena not really a MOBA it was kind of like a. do you guys remember that old half-life one mod that was basically underworld and it was like vampires and werewolves and vampire hunters and so it was basically just like a fighting shooter that took place in a city it's basically like that and they made it for Square Enix based on the legacy of Kane property so Eh, Dragon Lake Entertainment, they're up to 35 employees. They hope to double that by the end of the year. And their most uh, high-profile recruit is CCO, that's Chief Creative Officer, Eric Simonik. And he has held numerous roles, such as Creative Director at 2K and Design Director at Microsoft Game Studios. All right, a little bit of fundraising news. Super Spell Heroes developer Swipper has raised an additional $2.8 million. So Swipper finished at Series A with a $2.8 million fundraising round led by Modern Times Group. This brings the total fundraising to $4.3 million. I guess their seed round was $1.5 million. Swipper's game Super Spell Heroes is amazingly generic in its title. And its game is like this weird match 3 1v1 battle game. I guess they were published by Flare Games. Um... This story isn't very interesting. Another, the interesting story is I've actually, through recommendation of someone, been tracking the fundraising rounds of things mentioned on the show. And Modern Times Group comes up all the time. So they're based out of Stockholm, Sweden, and they seem very game-friendly investors. Maybe we should do a whole episode on popular, like, VCs and private equity companies for the game industry. That would be interesting. All right, let's round off with bad news because that's how we roll here. (laughs) GOG lays off a dozen employees due to financial trouble. So GOG, they're the digital storefront for AAA developer slash publisher CG Project Red. CD Project Red is the developers of the Witcher series and the upcoming Cyberpunk 2077. GOG lays off about 10% of its workforce or 12 employees. Due to the rise of other niche storefronts or storefronts with better revenue sharing like Epic's, um, GOG's digital store is in danger and at risk at being in the red. This has occurred in the last a few times in the last few months. So GOG has cr- grown recently and 
despite laying off 12 employees, currently has 20 open recs on their website. So that's interesting. All right, next up, Techland, publisher of the Dying Light series, lays off local publishing arm in Poland. So 13 employees were laid off due to Techland shutting down its Polish publishing and distribution center. CEO Powell Marczekwa says that this was a cost-cut, cost-cut, whatever decision, who cares? Like, um, the company said it had no effect on Dying Light 2's development or God's Trigger publication. Those are their two upcoming AAA games. Techland has over 400 employees. That's surprising. I didn't know they had over 400. And Open Rex for over 50 employees. So it probably is just what they said. They're shutting down their local publishing division. GOG, on the other hand, I, I can't. Like, these niche digital storefronts, I mean, like, you're just not going to compete with Steam unless you yourself undercut Steam by some insane margin you either sell games for cheaper than steam or you give developers some like crazy revenue split like 90 10 sorry <laughs> all right last one indie developer wish studio shuts down so this one's kind of sad 13 employees will be losing their job in brighton after the developer failed to find a new publisher for their latest project so wish studio was founded in 2012 and is best known for that's you and knowledge is power it also won the game industry.biz's best places to work two years in a row that's what's weird about it like they they were actually like a very beloved studio and not for their games they were like beloved for like their attitude and like kind of the philosophies at its peak i guess it had 35 employees so it was down to 13 last 13 lost their jobs i don't know you know, I, I've never heard of the games That's You and Knowledge is Power, but I've actually heard of Wish Studio. So it's almost like the studio was kind of more famous than the actual games that the studio made. But that's it. I'm your host, Eric McConnell. Tune in next week for your game industry news rundown. I'll see you guys later.